Hello, I'm Kino. And I'm MJ. And you're listening to The Spun. Um, you'll notice that this week, you don't have the familiar voice of Conrad in years. And he won't be joining us today, so it'll just be me and Michael this week. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to bring you the best content possible. Michael, um, let our viewers know, what are we talking about this week? So today, Kino, you're going to be talking about two companies, SoftBank and WeWork. And with a bit of um, a bit of wire, is it Wirecard? Wirecard, yeah. Wirecard on the side. While well, I'll be bringing it back home to SA and talking about Moody's credit outlook on South Africa. So cool. Let's get right into it. So Moody's, right. one of the big credit ratings agencies, has said that South Africa's debt could rise by 40% over the next three years, owing to strong, widespread fiscal pressures and poor economic growth. This would push government debt well over 100% and pass the Treasury's 87.4% peak prediction. Moody's analysts believe the 500 billion stimulus package by government will increase debt to GDP to 89.9% this fiscal year. They're predicting our economy to shrink by 6.5% this year due to, well, of course, COVID-19 and strict lockdown regulations. They also mentioned risks of, quote, further fiscal drains, unquote, from state-owned companies as the virus hampers everyone's activity. Moody said that this negative outlook means that, quote, a rating upgrade is unlikely in the near future, unquote. So high debt to GDP on its own, it's not necessarily a bad signal. So if you look at the US, for example, they had a debt to GDP ratio of 108% in the first quarter of 2020. And there's some countries across the world that have ratios of much higher than 100%. So what are your, what are your thoughts on on this report or this outlook by Moody's Kino? Yeah, I mean, high GDP, high debt to GDP is kind of the new economic normal, right? You see countries like Japan with a uh, debt to GDP rating of 230%, right? But yeah. the problem comes when you have a country that is not, does not necessarily have the, 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 the power to, you know, um, create sufficient money to pay back that debt. So Africa where we have, I data GDP, right? But we also have consistently lowering, consistently lower GDP every year, consistently mm. lower production. So the problem is high data GDP along with low production, along with high employment, right? So there's basically nothing being produced to pay back that high data GDP. And high data GDP, as I said, it's become the new normal, but it's, it's really only a problem when there isn't production to go along with it. So when it comes to a lot of developing countries which are massively indebted, um, it is becoming a, a big problem. And as we can see, uh, credit ratings have stated this as one of the biggest problems for, for years now, right? So yeah. it, it doesn't come as a shock to anyone that, that, that we're seeing this. And I don't think anybody expected to see a, you know, a, um, a upgrade in the outlook of South Africa anytime to come, you know, along mm. with Corona, all these massive problems that we've seen before, you know, the GDP, the massive money drain of the SOEs, you know, ESCOMs. So I don't think it's... Unexpected, Michael. Yeah, and I think it's difficult now because obviously government, they have, you know, announced plans, or at least some plans do um, something about ESCOM and, you know, splitting up it, splitting it up to various divisions. But I think these and a lot of other plans, of course, have had to be put on hold now because of coronavirus and the pressing issue at hand. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. So, Kino, you're going to be telling us about WeWork and SoftBank. Yeah, so... Um... 
it's not only about WeWork, it's about WeWork, it's about SoftBank, it's about the Vision Fund. So um, for those of our viewers who don't know, SoftBank is a massive Japanese multinational conglomerate holding company. And they own stakes in a lot of technology, energy, and financial companies. And they have this fund that they announced um, called the Vision Fund that was announced in 2017. And the whole point of the Vision Fund was to invest in uh, very promising and innovative emerging technologies. You know, they've pumped a massive amount of money into firms like Uber and WeWork. And while Uber and WeWork are seen as success stories by a lot of people, guys, the financials of these two companies are actually in a completely dismal state especially Uber. Um, so what has actually happened is that on Monday, sorry, not this Monday. So this year, we'll say that for the, the, the first quarter, SoftBank has announced that it made an 18 billion loss, right? Um, and that's in part due to, you know, massive collapse in evaluations of firms like Uber and WeWork. You know, we've seen restructuring from these companies due to these losses. So guys, what happens with a lot of these startups is that they often make losses in, in the first few years, you know, for, for, you know, three, four, even five years until they, they, they turn profitable. Um, and there's kind of a debate around this, right? It's like there are innovative companies that are offering a massive service and they're changing the way we live our lives. You know, Uber has definitely changed the way we live our lives. WeWork is predicted to change the way we live our lives. The kind of open plan on setting offices that WeWork has kind of made a, you know, Table stakes is becoming much more popular, and WeWork is extremely popular. But yeah, yeah. Michael, what are your thoughts? So, so first, let's tackle this one thing, right? What are your thoughts on these innovative companies that that, that bleed money? Um, and then we'll we'll take it we'll take it further because there's there's a lot to the story. Yeah. So I think, as you kind of said, generally you don't you don't we don't really expect you know these new up and coming companies. Um, to be profitable, you know, what, I mean, most yeah. of the time, the metrics people will look at will be, you know, are the sales growing, are they expanding their market share? That's the most important. We can worry about profits later. Yeah. And I feel, I'm thinking this, a lot of these yeah. recent stories are reminding me a lot of just the dot-com bu bubble where everyone's just, you know, as long as it's got a, I'm not saying this is a bubble, yeah. but I'm just saying we, yeah. Yeah. we focusing on, you know, metrics like sales and, you know, how much, um, if you think of a WeWork, how many office spaces do they have? Uh, what's the size of their... Um, yeah, yeah. But we aren't, we, a lot of the time, we're shying away from the traditional metrics, you know, is, are they like, like generating... Like, exactly, yeah. or are they generating strong cash flows, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there is definitely um, a risk to, to not looking at those metrics. But on the other hand, a lot of the time, I mean, you've got companies that, like how many years did it take Amazon to turn a profit? Exactly. Think, Amazon was unprofitable for many, many years. Um, mm. Company like Tesla is still unprofitable, but let's not go there because <laughs> that's that's our podcast episode. But Michael, yeah. I think one of the um, kind of, you know, knock-on effects of that is that we have this kind of culture in Silicon Valley. They call it the, the fail-fast culture, which yeah. is, um, causes companies, you know, to make very brash decisions because it's kind of the norm. Like, okay, um, you know, Amazon was a profitable for years. You know, we can kind of be... Um, it is possible with our money, and you've seen this in kind of Silicon Valley camp CEOs, mm. like the Uber CEO, yeah, you know, we loving lifestyles and not, you know, committing fully to the company. So that's kind of one of the knock-on effects. Whereas I agree with Michael that you know if these companies are showing strong um, fundamentals, and I don't mean fun financial fundamentals, I mean operational fundamentals, as Michael quoted one 
kind of thing. You know, expanding offices with Uber. It might be, you know, just expanding market share in the product industry. Then it's great because these companies do offer service, but you do have to be cognizant of that kind of knock on effect. Yeah. So moving on, um, I'm going to kind of pull this narrative for you guys. So what has happened is that um, SoftBank, the, the Vision Fund is part of SoftBank. What has happened is their shares this week have actually hit a 20-year high um, as a result of aggressive stock buybacks. So let's just talk about this. I don't think we've covered stock buybacks um, worthy mm. in the podcast. So w- w- what basically happens is that when a company has you know, kind of free cash flow lying around next to the cash, they can basically do, do two things, right, um, given that all debt is paid off and things like that. They can either invest in, in CapEx, right? They can expand, they can, um, you know, do that. Or they can buy back shares. Um, and share buybacks have actually been a massive catalyst for what has been the biggest stock rally um, in all of history, which is the, the recent stock rally we've seen in, you know, the past three years. And there's, there's a lot of writing, academic writing on this. And there's actually a school of finance, of finance that... Um, doesn't like the idea of share buybacks for yeah. two reasons. One is that, you know, if you have extra cash lying around, you know, there's always room to expand. There's always room to do something productive. And two, it's the fact that share buybacks, they, I'm going to say artificially, immediately increase mm. the valuation of a company. And why it is that if you look at the metric like EPS, right, earnings per share, which is one of the most important metrics when looking at big companies is that, if you look at it, it's basically earnings as your nominator, right? And the amount of shares that you have out in your denominator. So what, what happens when you when you partake in a buyback, right, is that you decrease that denominator and immediately your earnings per share goes up, right? And a lot of the time it goes up aggressively and you'll see that when, when earnings announcements happens, you know, earnings per shares rose 50%. Why? You know, the company has been buying back shares. Um, and some people say it's not disingenuous, but no real growth has happened there, right? They've just yeah. bought back shares. Um, so there, there, there is a school of thought that thinks that it's, you know, it's, it's kind of artificial growth. Michael, what are your thoughts on, on share buybacks? Yeah, you covered basically that school of thought pretty well. The other kind of, well, yeah, the other school of thought is basically that, you know, if companies have cash lying around, because although it's often, you know, you can, you can often invest in new projects, yeah. new CapEx and stuff, it's not always... There's sometimes the case where, you know, if you think of just a really depressed market, there might not be any yeah, opportunities yeah. available. So it might be best to buy back shares, but then the argument could also be, why not pay dividends instead with that cash? Exactly, exactly. So, so, sorry, that, that was one thing I didn't mention, um, is that the other option is to also pay dividends, yeah. which, which Michael just told us. Um, so, yeah. And then the third thing I want to add to the SoftBank vision by narrative is that, Recently, there has been a massive scandal with a company called Wirecard, right? Which is a German company listed on the DAX. And basically, it's a massive auditing scandal where a massive amount of cash, um, 1.9 billion euros of cash, was effectively found to not be on the balance sheet, right? So they've been reporting um, 1.9 balance, 1.9 billion euros of cash, and it wasn't there right um you know the authorities are now probing for money laundering and people are looking into it but the auditors of this company were ey and the statement from ey were that uh quote clear indications that this is an elaborate and sophisticated fraud involving multiple parties around the world and different institutions with a deliberate aim of deception 
um and you know i am not very knowledgeable about auditing that's more michael's field but to me it's like isn't that the whole point of auditing companies to uncover these deliberate aims of deception right you know if you have that much cash sitting on the, on the balance sheet how do you just not know that it's imaginary um you know is what what a lot of mm. um, of our listeners are thinking and yeah. softbank is, sorry can i just interject there yeah sure sure yeah so generally yeah the kind of that is the the one side of it is that is what people expect of auditors although kind of the role of an auditor is not necessary to find fraud but they it's yeah. to check that financial statements are fairly represented and not misrepresented due to fraud or error but yeah in this kind of case and you know there's been countless before look at steinoff yeah. uh look at phew, countless examples i think a lot of the time auditors haven't been asking the difficult questions that they need to yeah. they've just wanted to sign off on the client and you know just move on get it done with which yeah michael said if i can ask you a question is there kind of a motivation for auditors to not ask difficult questions for the oh, interest of keeping a client because at the end of the day that's leaving you that that the auditing firm needs right definitely from other businesses yeah yeah and another issue is that a lot of these auditing firms they don't just provide auditing services they provide consulting services consulting, or yeah, yeah. accounting or all lots of other services mm-hmm. so you know if if they if they don't sign off on the on the financial statements then you know who's to say that they'll be reemployed for all these other ventures that they could be helping the firm with yeah so yeah. there's definitely independence issues yeah and um the industry is also very competitive right because mm. you have these massive auditing guys but you also have smaller companies that are that are very capable so um i wouldn't say that or michael would you say that you are in a modern auditing crisis with all these frauds or has it just been kind of consistently what auditing was and also let's be very careful in not you know we've seen all these these fraud in the news recently but we have to remember of the the thousands of companies worldwide yeah. which have been audited correctly which haven't been exposed for fraud right um, true. it's only these companies that are, that are sticking out because of what happened so i don't i don't want to be brash and say we are in auditing crisis um yeah but, crisis is a serious word i mean we're in a coronavirus crisis <laughs> but yeah. i'm not sure if i'd call it a crisis but we definitely are in dire straits um yeah. i think especially all over the world but i mean especially south africa there is fortunately i mean there are changes happening uh one in south africa is audit firm rotation that's coming into place where uh, the same auditor won't be allowed to audit a company for i think it will come over the number of years but there's a there's a limit to the number of years before they've got to rotate see, and also there's there's i think it's legislation hap- um that's been passed or soon will be passed in the uk that's also meant to reduce kind of these independence issues by preventing or reducing the number of non-audit services that are performed by audit firms so there is change there's reform happening fortunately yeah. but yeah thanks for that michael um and then yeah the last thing that i just wanted to say is that softbank also had a stake in wirecard so mm. their investment practices are being um kind of investigated by the shareholders for the reason of them you know um having a stake in wirecard as well as the massive vision fund losses um and yeah guys that's 
the end of the podcast. We had some very interesting discussions today, and and I hope uh, I hope you I hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Cheers.